Fans, welcome to Greg Medford Show. We've got Greg here, cranky voice today. Woke up with a little laryngitis, but I'm gonna muscle through it. My mom made me some Earl Grey with lemon, and I've got some Coke Zero, and I'm sucking on some cough drops. You just bear with me. I've got more timber than I'm used to having. So, in our ongoing series on politics, the uh, post 2020 election fallout, and uh, folks running for office here in Arizona, um, I uh, we we've kind of worked hard over the last couple months to get our next guest today. We're going to talk about um, stuff that's affected, that's been in the news nationally and it kind of disappeared because people want to brush stuff under the door and keep moving forward and we get that. But there's a little bit of a mess to clean up sometimes. We're going to talk a little bit about that mess and uh, we're going to find out if we can do this in a way that doesn't get me kicked off every platform again. So our guest today is Mark Fincham. He's a candidate, uh, raised in the Midwest, ended up out here, transplanted to Arizona, out to the uh, Wild West, and uh, he's been a career in law enforcement and uh, some private industry since, and he's running for Secretary of State here in Arizona. Currently, um, the ding-dong in that office, her name's Katie Hobbs. She's a leftist um, coot who has no business in office. So uh, we've got a big vested interest in not only that position being held by somebody who is right-minded um and we've got a you know we've got an interest in her disappearing because she's about the worst thing that's ever happened for this state so without any further ado we'll welcome our guest today mark Fincham. mark how you doing i'm having a great day thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to be on your platform and for seeing your very cool factory well oh, thanks for stopping in <clears throat> um so talk to you know we're gonna we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff today. Initially, let's come out of the gate. Formative upbringing, Kalamazoo. You're up 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 from in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was born in Detroit. Um, my dad moved around quite a bit. In fact, when I was, I think, two years old, we were actually in uh, Scott, no, Tempe, Arizona. He was uh, with G two, and uh, went having something to do with SIGINT and math, math magician stuff at uh, ASU and all okay. that stuff. And then moved back to Kalamazoo and uh, was raised there almost all my life. Um, graduated from high school, Kalamazoo Central, Maroon Giants. Uh, went off to college for a little while and decided that wasn't the right thing for me at the time in my life. Mm -hmm. Became a firefighter mm -hmm. in Kalamazoo and kind of worked my up, way up through the ranks to law enforcement officer and then criminal investigator when I was done. All right, for all firemen who are listening to this, you don't, I, I'm sure he's not implying that you graduated from being a fireman into law enforcement. No, no, no not at all. In <laughs> fact, here's, Kellens is an interesting study. It's one of a few cities around the country that uh, allegedly in a cost-cutting, cost-cutting move, they combined the fire department and the police department. Into so a department a of public safety. Department of public safety. Yeah. And I was uh, a PSO2, so um, I was a level three paramedic, firefighter, had been on a, assigned to an engine company and a heavy rescue squad for my entire time on the deck as a firefighter. Um, How many years was that? 21 years total. Oh, so uh, you were, the city. were you a fireman mostly with the no, 21 for years? No, for the first two or three years, I was a, okay. primarily a firefighter. 
um, went through um, went through the academy on my own dime as opposed to having the city do it because I had planned to go to Ottawa County Sheriff's Office. Um, Ottawa County in Michigan, that's Grand Haven, Holland, that area, they actually provide level three paramedic services. And the city of Kalamazoo decided they were going to offload that to a private ambulance service, didn't want to go there. So it was, it was an interesting career, but uh, I, I loved my job. Uh, I was so blessed to do so many things. So you shifted over to law enforcement. So shifted over in. primarily to law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, and your day, whether you were assigned to a 24-hour schedule or a 12-hour schedule, every day was different. You never knew what you were going to walk into. I could tell you love the job because you got yeah. a bright, you get bright eyes when you talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, so 21 years there, retired and mm-hmm. headed out west, young man. Yep. I was a uh, also had a ranch outside of Kalamazoo in a little community called Delton, Michigan. In fact, I've run into people here in in Phoenix and Metro yeah. Phoenix who actually know where Delton, Michigan is. They lived in Delton, population 160 when I was there. We had more cows than people. Yeah. So um, it, was, it was a great life. When I was off duty, uh, I was either raking hay or mucking stalls or so spreading manure. Why'd you leave and come out west? What year did you come out west? Came out in 19, it started in 1998 um, as I was preparing for retirement. Um, so there, it was an interesting thing that the, the city noticed that we had quite a few people that committed suicide shortly after retirement or end up getting their head stuck in a bottle or just bad outcomes for good people. Not, not great, not great transitions. Yeah. So um, they started engaging in a little bit of pre retirement. Um, counseling. And I went for, I was fortunate to get a job with American Airlines as a bag smasher. I was that gorilla. Remember the Sam, Samsonite yeah, commercials? Sure. I was that guy. Uh, and quickly, because I adapted into um, the system, they sent me off for ticketing training and, you know, again, moved me up the ranks a little bit. And they said, I had said something to one of the, to the station manager. About, Wait a minute. So while you're with DPS, they get you involved with an airline before you've as, as a part-time job, I was out there, you know, a day or two a week on my off days. Doing something. Doing something. So I get plugged into American Airlines as I'm retiring, and they're like, hey, we've got this opening out in Tucson, Arizona. What would you think? It's like, I'll go take a look at it. So they flew me down on an A3 pass, which is first class. You know, they treat you right. I got off the plane, and, and I suffered from asthma. Um, at least I did in West Michigan. And... Uh, a chronic bronchitis that was related to the mold blooms mm-hmm. in the spring and the fall. Yeah, I got off the plane and 20 minutes after I'm, out, I'm I'm there, I'm able to take the deepest breaths I've ever taken. Oh, and you said, okay. Mark's moving. Yeah. Yeah. Get it. So moved to Tucson, Arizona, worked for American Airlines for, I don't know, eight or nine months. Couldn't Finally couldn't take what's the cheapest fare from here to there one more time. Yeah. And left, started my own business. Uh, what kind of business? We were auditing medical bills and came across some pretty significant frauds and okay. um, the so, insurance companies so, that we So were, white collar detective work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And the insurance companies we were working for, which will remain nameless, um, they didn't like how effective we were being, which seems kind of odd. Bizarre, yeah. But they had negotiated deals with hospitals and, you know, when you find a $295,000 mistake- and you say you're entitled his money back, and the hospital goes apoplectic. The insurance company has to 
kind of salve that wound a little bit because they have negotiated rates and there's just white collar graft going on everywhere yes. isn't there yes yeah made me absolutely sick yeah. we got paid and then we were dismissed because we were being too effective yeah yeah okay so um kind of shut that business down and uh went to work for myself um joined into it for a period of time um that was kind of an odd story as well. So I signed on with a uh, Type 2 uh, force crew out of uh, Northwest Fire District. It's the uh, um, Northwest Shots and worked a year and a half, two years with them. Wait a minute. That's like a smoke jumper kind of job? Not Well, smoke jumper's uh, tier one. Just fire two, two. Oh. Uh, Well, <laughs> engine crew, hand crew, but, I mean, you were... Wildlife firefighter, though. Wildland firefighter, but okay. in the thick of things. It that was after the Intuit, so you did a little... No, spin. no, that was before Intuit. Oh, so okay. we had a deployment up to Klamath Falls. I was gone for quite a while. I'll come back, get my gear, and the next thing I know, I'm... Okay, what am I going to do for the next six months? <laughs> I went to a job fair into it, and they they said, "Well, what do you know about QuickBooks?" And I said, "Well, you know, I I ran my ranch on MS DOS QuickBooks. Really? Can you start on Monday?" And sure, why? Well, we have two people in the building that know MS DOS QuickBooks, and we're starting the legacy retirement program and all that. Next thing you know, six months later, I'm kind of doing the tap dance across the computer and. It's like, wait a minute, these key codes keep coming up over and over again. I thought they were supposed to be unique and ran a report that took hours to finish on a Siebel system, Oracle. I won't give you the number, but it's in the hundreds of thousands of installations of this product with the same key code. Next thing I know, I'm a manager with a team to try to recover customers and explain to them your system's corrupted we need to fix that for you and oh so people were stealing seeds of the product well the they they were buying it out on ebay for 65 dollars. oh and somebody so, had hacked it and was selling it well they, they were just selling the key code and they were copying the cd there were no fraud countermeasures on this thing and that was i pitched to my my sales director at the time, I said, hey, if I do the math right, you're short like tens of millions of dollars in revenue every year. Okay, what do you need? Well, give me 500 grand in a team of 12 and we will develop a customer-facing fraud countermeasures program and I will increase your bottom line. So six months later, we had recovered about $5 million. Pretty good investment so they were for happy. 500K. They were happy. Yep. How long did you do that for? About seven years. My job was to work myself out of a job. And when high-speed internet came along, DSL was just, just before I left, DSL was really getting going. And you could download fresh product in two minutes. Sell the key code. Life was good. Um, they were very happy with that. But I had worked myself out of a job. So I got it. So uh, back to school and career change. Yeah. All right. Um, so I went to Grand Canyon University. Got my bachelor's degree in state and local public policy, summa cum laude, which, <laughs> funny story about that one. I'm in the line to get my diploma, and 
gal comes walking up to me. She says, um, what's your name? Mark Finch. Would you come with me, please? And I'm thinking, oh, my God, <laughs> what did I forget to pay something? Is there a problem? She says, oh, no, 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 there's no problem. Walk around the corner, and she hands me these gold cords and stuff. And I'm like, okay, what's this? She says, oh, you don't know? You're, like, top of your class. Oh, cool. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> so we got that out of the way. Um it was a it was a great day. Finally finished my my bachelor's degree, <clears throat> and then this last December, I finished a degree at University of Arizona Rogers Law School, um, a master's degree in legal studies and economics. So that and while I was at into it, got my certification as a Six Sigma process manager. All of those things kind of coming together. I think that God prepared me for such a time as this that these are the pieces necessary for a, a high-performing executive in an office such as Secretary of State, because elections are a people-reliant process. You got the process, you got the steps, but you actually have to have people that engage in those steps and follow a well-thought-out process that prevents fraud and addresses incompetence so the job of that office is to make it easy to vote and hard to cheat. And then to supervise the elections, we have 15 counties. A lot of people think that we have state elections. We don't. We have 15 county elections, and all of that information is rolled up to the Secretary of State, who then certifies the canvas after the counties have certified their canvas and passes that on in a presidential year onto Congress for them to take action. So was elected in 2014 to the Arizona House of Representatives, and a position that I've held now for the last eight years. In fact, I'm, that, that chapter of Mark's life is coming to a close in the, in the next few weeks. Um, it's been a pleasure to serve, also a challenge to serve. Um, Are you term limited out? I am term limited out, and I made a commitment to my constituents when I was first elected. Two things. Number one, I am never going to worry about getting reelected. I'm going to vote my heart and my mind. I'm going to represent you to the best I can. Not going to worry about a re-election. Now, will I campaign for one? Yes. But I expect you to rehire me if I'm worthy at the end of this two years. Elected three times, four times in a row. <clears throat> so apparently I did the job that they wanted and what's me to your do. And what's your district, what's your legislative district? Uh, previously, Legislative District 11, which would be Northwest Tucson, uh, Marana, Oro Valley, Saddlebrook on up to part of Casa Grande into, e, um, not into Eloy, but Casa Grande, Arizona City, Maricopa City, up in is the that, Is that typically a Republican uh, stronghold? Um, yeah, I think we were plus eight, plus nine, yeah. plus ten. And uh, the, the city of Tucson is decidedly leftist. Did they hate you in the city of Tucson? Um, with a passion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about... You know, uh, as I was reading up to a little, you know, a little op opposition or not, you know, a little uh, investigation, or a little look behind the curtain a little bit about you before you showed up. Talk to me about some of the run-ins you've had with the press or the city or opinion about you as you've been in office. Well, we have an interesting history, me in the city of Tucson. Um, first of all, they hate people who won't sit down and shut up. That's what they want you to do. Phoenix, Phoenix too. Phoenix is the same way, but I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll deal with Tucson yeah, right now. Sure. 
Um, it is a microcosm of the the university mindset, the leftist mindset that thinks that everything is swimmingly well in countries like Venezuela because you have the elites, you have the people, the experts are running the country. Never mind the people who think they are capable of living their lives without interference. Right. Yeah. So we've got the same thing going on in the city of Tucson. And it really is, it's, it's the insurgency, I'll call it, of the Marxist mindset. They, they hate the idea that you vote. You know, I was reading the articles from down in Tucson, and they just, as I'm reading them, I'm kind of, I actually had a visceral, dirty, rotten, commie, scumbag reaction. My, my, uh, my, my gut, I go with my gut about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I said, man, well, how'd you make that decision? You had almost no information. So I go with my gut. I think that's what Trump, Trump does. Mm -hmm. Pissed a lot of people off. Um, then what's the data? He's like, we don't, we're not going to get enough data. We're not going to have all the data. I'm going to go with my gut on this. I think you're crazy. I, this sounds like it'll work. Let's go that way. Right. You know, like a really base level. Um, well, there's some really simple things. I mean, when you have a flat tire, you pull over and change the damn tire. It's not rocket science to figure some of this stuff out. So, for example, we have what's called uh, Senate Bill 1487. It's now referred to as a 1487 application. Uh, a masterful piece of law that uh, Congressman Andy Biggs, when he was president of the Senate, got through that essentially holds city governments and county governments, political subdivisions, other than school districts, and we're trying to fix that, um, holds them accountable for following the law. You know, same laws that you and I have to follow. Yeah. So um, the city of Tucson was caught destroying firearms. That's public property. It's illegal for a political subdivision to destroy public property that has value. So in the very first case, I sued the city, um, forcing them to cease their practice. They decided- Were these guns seized in crimes that had stacked up in the police department or what were they? They were guns that had been seized, guns that had been turned in, guns that had been you know found property. Okay. Some of them were serviceable. So instead, of holding, instead of holding a public auction, which I believe they're supposed to do. That's right. Um, they were destroying them. They destroyed them. Right. And we had a couple of um, property technicians that had retired who were also, I mean, gun nuts in a, in a good way, <clears throat> collectors. And there was a, uh, what really got their ire is there was a uh, uh, USMC Colt four-digit firearm. Oh, boy. Probably worth about 25 grand. So they got a rare collectible. Model, model 1911. Right. They got a rare collectible, came across the docket, and the city's going to cut it up. Melt it into goo. Yeah. So I... Basically, in the process for that is you just notify the attorney general. The attorney general notifies them and says, are you doing this? And they said, yes, we are. Well, when, uh, what is your plan to stop? We're not going to. So we went to court. And the hammer in this is if you don't stop what you're doing, you sacrifice up to 10% of your state shared revenue. Well, in that case, it was $62 million. Probably should have just followed the law. <clears throat> well, they decided to fight it under home rule and unconstitutional and they do what the city of Tucson does most of the time. They go, it's did it's it a go lawless organization. Did it go to the state Supreme court? Went to the state Supreme court and I won a seven Oh decision. And within, and they were, I don't know. How'd you fund that? That's expensive. Well, the state. 
State oh. Attorney General argued it for us. Okay, okay. The State Attorney General was protecting um, the interests of the state. Yeah, state state law. Um, which I think uh, he did a great job. Who, who was that attorney? Uh, that was Mark Brnovich. Okay. Now, what's interesting, there, there were, I think, 10, maybe 12 other 1487 applications for political subdivisions around the state. Um, Somerton was one of them, um, Winter Haven, another that were doing things that were clear violations of state statute. And members of the legislature, seeing what I was doing, said, hey, you know, it's time to clean up this lawless behavior. So they filed applications. The applications were founded. Those that were already investigated. When the 7-0 decision came down from the Supreme Court, there was immediate compliance. Right. Everyone, oh boy. Oh, crap. Right. Yeah. Guess, so we, better, guess did, we better follow the law. Did Tucson lose uh, 10% Tuc- of its state? They did not. Um, it was a negotiated, <laughs> but they did have to pay the court costs. Right. So there was a negotiated settlement for court costs, and <laughs> it all comes down to money. These scumbags just don't do it again, okay? Yeah. So, so well, and in, in, I'm glad that that was the resolution. Here's why: the penalty is not individually and separately. The penalty goes to the taxpayers. Now, in Mark's perfect world, you do stuff like that. You should be held accountable for a breach of your oath of office to uphold the laws of the state of Arizona. That didn't happen. I don't think there's a pathway in law for that to happen. But I do believe that when an elected official does something like that, they should be personally liable for paying the court cost. Mm. That well, change in behavior. That would sure get people thinking about complying. Yes. Because the would. risk would be too great. That's right. So, um, oh, interesting. That's one of my examples with the city of Tucson. Okay. And one of the reasons that. Oh, that'll just, get you hated. And the newspaper like probably me. hated you there. Yeah. And then you got this guy by the name of Tim Steller who he's kind of got an obsession with me. Yeah. Yeah. I have some fanboys too. I occupy too much space yeah. in their brain. Yeah. Well, as President Trump, or no, Rush said. I have camped out in his mind. Yeah. Living there rent free. Yeah. And quite frankly, I think I've even drug, dug a latrine. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Okay. So um, you've, you've kind of uh, held a municipal uh, group that are decidedly Marxist down there. I don't know what's happened in this country. I don't understand what's happened, but I have an inkling that it has to do with, um, you know, I've got a 13 year old and a 16 uh, year old daughter. A 13-year-old boy, 16-year-old daughter. And I've been involved in the schools. Um, There is, even in conservative, well-heeled areas, like where my kids go to school, there is still a creep of indoctrination going on. Oh, it's not creep. It's absolute indoctrination. Yeah. You know, and as they've put up these gun barricades to make schools little secure areas... They've kind of blocked everybody out. So you can't just walk in and see what's going on anymore. Um, there's no accountability. And then when uh, COVID came along, they made this quick jump to try and digitize school so that the kids do a lot of online work and they're interacting with the screen. And which, what, which, by the way, backfired on them. And I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. It has backfired on them, but they're they're also not letting go of it. It's now part of... So teachers, remember how it was when we were kids? <clears throat> if you were a typical boy and you weren't doing your math homework, 
you'd get a note sent home that had to be signed by your parents and had to come back. Right. Um, you might get a phone call from a teacher to a parent saying, hey, you know, I haven't gotten Greg's homework in like 10 days. Uh, is everything okay at home? Now they just put it in this software that they've been sold by some company. So the company uses Infinite Campus, the, the, the school uses Infinite Campus. So the teachers spend all their time entering everything to this computer module. And the kids do all this work online. You, you don't get a piece of paper with a test grade on it and red marks where you failed so you can review and get better. And, and there's no accountability. And it's an act of Congress to get a meeting with a principal or a teacher these days. Mm -hmm. They all want to Zoom, and you can't get everybody involved. So all of this digital stuff has pushed us all away. And so there's, in a group that had almost no accountability before, there's none now. It's dehumanization yeah. of the process. Yeah. Now, what they didn't count on <laughs> with this whole goat rodeo... Was, was this all watching? Was the parents actually hearing what is being fed in their, their little child's mind of mush. Yeah. And I had parents, I mean, this is within days of this starting. I had parents calling me saying, hey, I'd like to know where the H does this school district get off telling my child that America is bad because it nuked Japan. No context, no discussion. It is a Marxist statement. Oh, yeah designed to indoctrinate somebody into the idea that this nation is bad, is baseless, is is evil. And the fact that parents started to hear this, I think, is one of the reasons that they saw an explosion. We've seen an explosion in two issues. Number one, homeschooling, uh, alternative schooling. Number two, backpack funding, where... You or your money goes with the student. Your money follows the child. So for everybody out there in digital land, what you what you guys hear in your three second sound bits on the evening news, it's always called school choice. Yeah. And Marxists and leftists like to think it's bad and it's the rotten decay of the public school system. The problem is this public school system is festering and rotting and has been for five or six decades, yeah. and it's so stinky right. now it's unbelievable. And Arizona is actually kind of leading the way. Now we don't have total mobility of our money, but we should soon. Um, I, we've been moving in that direction. Yeah. And I believe, and it's difficult because you can put the parent, and not all parents are alike, right. you can put the parent in the driver's seat for making sure that their child is getting the education that they want their child to get, whether it's at a, a religious school, it's in, in the Montana case, um, that basically broke the back of the Blaine amendments. So, and now dollars that are raised by the state for education can be used at any underscore emphasis, any teaching institution, whether it's a school of faith, uh, if it's a public school, if it's a private school, homeschooling. You can purchase products like, for example, um, the, the Barney School, I think, is, is what Heritage calls it. It's, it's essentially a, uh, it's, it's a off-the-shelf history civics class that a parent can supervise at home, partly for homeschooling. I think you're, you're also seeing these micro-schools pop up where you have five or six parents with, you know, a dozen kids that are ranging in age. It goes back to the early 
the late 1800s, early 1900s, before yeah. we had factory education kind of creep into the world. Yeah. It goes back to the, the one-room schoolhouse yeah. idea. And, you know, every once in a while, they'll hire a teacher. And that teacher will come in and do what the parents can't do. It might be applied mathematics or it might be something that the parents just don't have the skill set to do it. Yeah. But the parents can handle reading, writing, and arithmetic. Now, here's the problem with that. Not all parents are engaged with their kids enough to choose a quality education. Right. Now, I had a, a number of people uh, assault me verbally through email around, I love my public school. I choose to go there. My response to that was, thank you for helping to prove the theory of the case that you enjoy school choice. Within 24 hours, those emails went away. It was an attempt to try and sway me to vote against right. the idea of backpack funding. Right. So I think that in the coming years, we will probably see that. Um, I think that it, it likely will be broken up into three or four contracts that parents have to sign. So, yeah, I've, I've got this bucket of money. So it's the, it's the municipal, state, and federal uh, some buckets of municipal, state, and federal money put for the students. Is that what you're talking well, about? Well, it's, it's a bucket of education money. Let's yeah. without going to the various levels of government. It's just a bucket of money that the state has allocated per pupil. Um, and let's say, for example, the school year is broken up into four pieces. Each quarter, you're going to have to sign a contract, which essentially unlocks that money for that quarter to mm -hmm. go to the school yeah. to teach your child. If you want to do it that way, yeah. So I think we're entering, uh, perhaps we're well into a paradigm shift for educating our kids. And we've got parents now who are very much paying attention yeah. to teachers who refuse to stop teaching critical race theory, for example. It's like, no, 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 no. You're not doing that with my kid. By any name. Cause I they, don't care what they, you call they, it. Yeah, they like, they, they, if you teach my kid to hate himself and hate the people around him, you need to be fired as a teacher. Yeah. You need to be gone. You are engaged in what I believe is social terrorism. You are creating people in our society who hate our society. Now, right. if you're miserable and you hate our society, fine. Go off someplace and create a commune. I got a great city for you, Portland, Oregon. They'd love to have you move there and teach. Yeah. That's the solution. You want to be isolated? Fine. Isolate yourself. But don't you dare do that to our children. Yeah. Well, there's a, been a grip by the teachers' unions on this country. I mean, I had a discussion with a vice principal two days ago on the phone. I said, hey, I want a meeting with the principal. And she started getting into the whys. And I said, look, I know you're scheduling her, but what I feel like is there's no accountability here. And I want to talk to this teacher face-to-face. -face. Got a problem with math. Had a problem all year. Haven't had a single phone call or contact. So I want a meeting. And she said, well, you know, we care. And I said, well, you know, that doesn't really matter to me. If you care, I go, the results really matter to me. And she said, well, you know, I'm insulted that you would insinuate. And I go, look, I don't care if you're insulted. So let's stop with the childish shenanigans. You work and for me. do your job. You're the secretary for the principal. Mm -hmm. Schedule me a meeting. And uh, it was like I, uh, you know, it was like I just, you know, took a dump in public. She was shocked and upset. Because you won't sit down and shut up. Yeah, that's right. That's they, the condition. And that's what they want. They that's want right. you to, we're the professionals. I go, okay, so you're in charge of my child's education. You're in charge. Okay, fine. How come you didn't have him redo, uh, take his quiz that he missed eight weeks ago? If you're in charge. 
if you're in charge, how come you didn't help him with that math assignment that he couldn't figure out? The, uh, so am I in charge or are you in charge? Or is, is the seven, seventh grader, the 13-year-old boy in charge, who we won't let buy cigarettes, drive a car, make decisions, or watch a rated R movie, is he the one in charge of his education? Is it you, me, or him? And they're like, uh. I'm so, they're not used to having people hold them accountable. Well, this is the problem I see in our entire nation. There's a wholesale theft and sale of the republic that's gone on in the last quarter century. That's accurate. And no one has gone to jail for it. Not a single politician who has sold us out. Not a single politician who has allowed a company in his state to have its intellectual property stolen, made in China, shipped here on the American dollar under the developing nations shipping treaties we've had since the early 1920s and brought into the port of Los Angeles flooding the market below the material cost of making it here. Mm -hmm. There's been a sale of our country, a robbery of our country. There's no accountability. I see it everywhere. If you talk about the city politics or municipal politics of Tucson, or if you talk about right. the politics of Arizona, I mean, nobody is in trouble. There's never a thumb down moment. It's just elections. And so then instead of doing right, instead of fixing pro problems, instead of doing better for people, politicians try to survive they try to get people on their side, right. and, they ra and they're in the money-raising race. They're worried about their next election. Yeah. And as I said at the open of this, I've never worried about my next election. Quite frankly, I am not worried about the Secretary of State election, and here's why. I believe that it's message over money. People are going to make a choice about the message, and I'm not talking about the noise. I'm talking about the signal. They've got to be able to understand the difference between signal and noise. What, so, what are you running for? What do you? What do you? What's your mission? Running for Secretary of State to basically clean up our broken election system, right? To which every Democrat in the state of Arizona shits themselves cross-eyed and gets you kicked off of YouTube for it. Can you be more specific for us? So, there are some things that are contained, uh, for example, in the Election Procedures Manual. Okay. One of the things that you have to do, Maricopa County, when ballots are mailed in, the envelope they're in has an affidavit that has to be signed. It is illegal, emphasis added, illegal, to count a ballot that has not been signed, yet they counted thousands of them. How do we know? Because we have the... So under 52 CFR 20701, we're required to keep... What, what is that? Is that a state that's code? A federal, that's a federal law okay. that requires you to keep the election's records, both paper and electronic, for 22 months after an election. So they had to produce those. That's one of the things that came out of the uh, Arizona Senate audit. How many envelopes had no signature on them? I don't know the exact number. I don't have it in front of me. I'm just... This is a for instance. Mm -hmm. So how is it that the election officials in Maricopa County permitted those to be counted. That is something that the Secretary of State needs to hold counties accountable for. And if there is evidence that that was done, that needs to be referred immediately to the Attorney General's office, not a year and a half later. Right. We do not have a pre-audit system to make sure that the people who are operating electronic tabulation equipment have unique usernames and passwords. This is where your time at Intuit and where your time 
uh, doing digital stuff is going to pay off. It's look, these are simple things to control access to the most important thing that people in this nation do. Because when you vote, that allocates power. Right. Power and money. allocates money. Yeah. It's not about the money as much as everybody thinks it's about the money. It's about the power. Sure. That's why they are in absolute freakout mode right now because Mark Fincham plans to take all of the probable cause and evidence that we have generated from what went wrong. It seems like there's a lot of it, too. There's a whole bunch of stuff, but and nobody's, it's all low-hanging fruit. Right, it, 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 but nobody has put it into a kind of cogent one-page, like, here's what happened, here's how many it was. Partly because it's there's so much of it. Now, I do have a cogent one-pager. It's actually front and back, but it is one piece of paper. <laughs> Can I get it from you? Sure, I'd okay. be happy to send it to you. Yeah. I mean, these are things that were found... By the audit. Now, of course, Maricopa County supervisors are doing everything they can to crawl out of the hole that they dug themselves in. Had they just said, look, the election may have had some errors, and we welcome an audit to see what happened. Okay? Now, based upon all of that evidence, I introduced House Concurrent Resolution 2033. The, the consequence of having an irredeemably compromised election has to be that that election is set aside. You can't count it. Yet we have a Speaker of the House who refuses to hear that resolution. So what is the consequence? I mean, why do we take the time to write law, enact law, and have it on the books. And there's no if enforcement. If there is no enforcement. Right. Now, you have people in the Arizona House of Representatives who say, well, we don't have the constitutional authority to do that. I beg to differ with you. In fact, the, the constitutional scholars, the jurisprudence from the U.S. Supreme Court, and the evidence all combine to make a case that we do have the authority to do that. It's been done before. We are simply saying that we're setting aside this election. Now, there's going to be people, Rusty Bowers is one of them, who say, well, we're going, to, we're going to cancel out the vote of the people who voted in the last election. My response to that is, oh, no, no, no. If we permit this to stand, you've already admitted count, count, canceling out the votes that were nullified by illegal votes. And if there isn't a consequence for the laws that were on the books that is, shall we say, harsh, they're just going to do it again. Well, I think they've been doing it. I, I think they know they can cheat and nothing's going to happen. I think they cheat at every single level. I think, I think right. it's institutional. Yep. And and so what they're doing is they're brain, they've been brainwashing our kids from day one. By the time the kids we're getting ready to take on a bunch of debt, send them off to university. They're already pretty indoctrinated. And if they're not, they get to university and they get indoctrinated. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is send your kids to college. You know, it's have them get out of high school and work for a couple of years. Get some real life experience. Get a, Develop a trade, maybe. Develop. If you want to take classes, you know, a great example of this is Caterpillar. They'll hire, they'll hire somebody out of high school to begin the process of learning how to be an equipment operator. Maybe that individual would like to be an engineer. Okay, well, how about you getting applied engineering as an operator, and you go to U of A, ASU, pick the school, and you don't assume debt. 
You work your way through school. What a novel idea. That's what I did. That's what a lot of people did. I'm guessing that's probably what you did. You know, there's no there's no accountability for colleges. They're, the problem, right. the core of this country's breaking apart, and I feel like it's being torn apart at the seams right now, is the lack of accountability. There's no accountability in education. There's no accountability for cost control in higher education. Mm. Uh, politicians have decided the way to save the country is to throw money at people being educated because educated people make more money. Mm, Which, educated people are smarter. Oh, that's what they say. Yeah. And what, what it's a consequence of is a kind of racism that's quietly been going on. You know, nobody wants to acknowledge the white elephant in the living room. And so what we just decided is, well, um, since this group of people all make more money and they seem to have all gone to college, let's get all these people to go to college and they'll make more money too, be more enfranchised, be more part of the country. I see people that, as a way to bring up uh, disparate communities within the country. And I see it all as a big huckster, a big lie. Mm -hmm. I don't think being more educated, I, I think it could qualify for some more jobs and you'll undoubtedly make some more money if you're not educated. Yeah. Um, but I end up, I think it ends up, I, I think it's tearing apart the moral fabric of the country. I think you're right. And I, I think that it's, it's important for us to understand that the school of common sense, that's where you learn the hard lessons of life. That's where you develop an appreciation for your moral compass. Yeah. And right now, I, I see individuals who knowingly teach false information. 1619 Project, for example. Oh, my God. It's, it's utterly rubbish. New right. York Times has already admitted it's rubbish. Yet you have got these sycophants of the Marxist ideology teaching it as though it were fact. Right. And they are setting these kids up for failure. That, in my view, is criminal. Right. right. Or it should be. Yeah. I, so I, I agree. So as you come in, you're going to you're going to you want to start basically enforcing the laws that are on the books for how we execute elections. Well, there's a couple of things that we need to do. Number one, it, we really need to change the culture of the secretary of state's office right now. Try calling them. You don't get anybody answering a phone. Try sending an email. It takes forever to get an answer. What is the role of a secretary of state? The role of secretary of state is as the chief elections officer is to see to it that, for example, the online signature system that we have in Arizona, which, by the way, serves the rural communities great for petition signatures, um, that that is operating all the time. So here in Arizona, secretary of state is primarily elections. That's election the integrity. biggest responsibility that the secretary of state has. Are there any others? Um, well, as the de facto lieutenant governor, right. you know, you need to be studied up on two jobs, not just one. Because if the governor leaves, even if for just for a day, you are the governor while the governor is gone. Now, until the law changes, that's you're the de facto lieutenant governor. So you're always the understudy for the governor who is in office. At the same time, the Secretary of State is also responsible for recording lobbyists and who they're working for so that there's transparency. So I, I, I sometimes think so that an, it would, it's an integrity position. It's an integrity position. I sometimes think that it probably ought to be <clears throat> the chief transparency officer as right. opposed to the Secretary of State. But the whole point is... Secretary of State is also supposed to take grievances under the Help America Vote Act, grievances as in complaints about the election system. So you remember Sharpie Gate, okay? Yeah, yeah. The moment those complaints started coming in, that should have been referred to 
packaged and referred to the attorney general's office for investigation. Instead, it was blown off. Oh, no, this is all, this is all hype. Oh, we now have an email that showed specific instruction for ballpoint pens to be used leading up to the election, but on the date of election, you've got to use Sharpies. Why? Well, they know why. Because the paper bleed. So it was for uh, one means of um, uh, individual adjudication of a ballot. Somebody's going to have to look at it instead of machine counting. Oh, well, it could have been, could have said something else. Could have... So you're saying that the powers that be during this last election cycle would prefer to have disputed ballots so that they can get eyeballs on them making a human judgment call. Yes. And then the people who are doing that is a mix of volunteer Democrats and Republicans who look volunteer at the local precinct, right? They bust in Democrats from from uh, California, California yeah. to do this work. That that can never be permitted again. When Anyone I, when who, I heard that, for those of you who don't know out there in America, our election here in Arizona was uh, they they bust in hundreds of these Democrat uh, activist volunteer election counter staff people to, to come in to do the work because they couldn't get enough people here locally. Now I question that, but is I question what it is. that too. So what we have going on right now, and this is one of the things that I'd love to talk about is uh, Cleta Mitchell and um, the um, conservative policy Institute is on a roadshow right now to rebuild America's election integrity infrastructure. That means Republicans, libertarians, conservatives, you have nothing better to do on election day than to be a poll worker, a watcher, uh, a, a, an elections judge, uh, somebody who is witnessing at the election tabulation centers. You have nothing better to do that entire day. If you're going to stand, there, here's one of the things, for example, there, there's a lot of volunteers that are signing up to do the um, early ballot mail-in collection boxes, also known as Zucker boxes. By the way, people need to see 2,000 mules. It's coming out, I think, uh, the 2nd or the 4th of May. This is Dine Dinesh 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 movie. Your blood's going to boil. Have you seen it? I've seen pieces of it, and I know about the, the internal workings of it. Mm -hmm. My blood is still boiling because of what happened down in Yuma County. Really? That's one of the reasons I listed Yuma County in HCR 2033. That's another election. Even though Mr. Trump won that election, there's still fraud going on. It's illegal to harvest ballots in the state of Arizona, yet there's no consequence. Now, there are two people that have been indicted down there. I understand one of them is going to be going to trial sometime mid-May. Um, at the end of the day, we've got people who are engaged in this crap with no consequence. Right. So it's going to be up to a courageous Secretary of State, strong-willed Secretary of State, who when those kinds of things are observed, they are treated as they should be. And they are crimes against the people of Arizona. So you would need to work closely with the uh, Attorney General of Arizona. Indeed. Indeed. And I've already spoken to the, the lead candidates. Um, I'm not going to pick one. <laughs> That's not a good idea if you want to work with people. Right. And we've had a conversation around the best way to streamline the grievance process. How do we do that so that we can immediately, on election day or leading up to election day, how do we make sure that the attorney general's office, A, has the resources, 
And B has a process that is logical, methodical, to collect probable cause if there is a crime, or to weed out those things that aren't crimes, they're just incompetence, they're sloppy process. So one of the things that I propose to do is clean up the voter rolls. We need to get off of what's known as ERIC. It's the electronic, um, sorry, I'm having a senior moment. It's basically an electronic record sharing system mm-hmm. um, where it's elections uh, center where you should be able to verify the people who are in Arizona who've moved to Kentucky. They're not on the voter rolls anymore here in Arizona or they've registered or they moved or whatever. Eric was designed by the Soros crew and has been in use for a while. I think there's like 36 states that are on it. When you say that, so there's a bunch of states on this. Mm -hmm. It's a uh, information sharing software. A system. It's a system. It's hardware and software. Mm -hmm. And you say it was, uh, it's a Soros crew. Tell me just a little bit about that. Well, the people that that invested in this, it's Soros money that created this thing. And it wasn't, the mission, as stated, was a great idea. But that's not what's happened in practice. That's one why, of the reasons Louisiana why, got out of it. Why is this guy, George Soros, such a bug up our ass? How is this guy still muddying around in our country? I've been hearing about him for years. Because there's so many people that sold their moral compass to Satan. He, he is probably one of the most evil men on the planet. And here's the problem. You, you brought this up earlier. You've got so many people who are willing to sell their soul for power, willing to sell their soul for getting a step up. How about we just respect our neighbors? How about we respect? We can disagree, but if you're going to steal my vote or you're going to nullify my vote, that's like breaking into my house. Yeah. It's that serious. And nobody gets in trouble for it. And there's no consequence. Now, one of the things that I want to do to replace Eric is go to something called fractile voter analysis, which is, it's a high speed system that is essentially open source, not totally open source. It is secure, but you'll be able to find out, for example, I want to know how many addresses, or I want to know the addresses where five or more people are registered to vote, push the button. All of a sudden I got a list of addresses to go canvas. Is this a real building? Is it a parking lot? It, is it a government building? What, what is this thing that has got all these people registered to vote there? And there are some things that have come to light recently that we'll also have to take a look at. For example, you have Californians coming across into Arizona, applying for a state ID, staying at a VRBO. So they have a rental agreement so they can go to a gun show. Well, if they can do that to go to a gun show, I'm pretty sure they can do that to vote. Interesting. <coughs> Excuse me. So was there anything that you've seen that you think would be determinative in the election? A in, lot. In 2020, is there any one thing you're like, if this one thing was not done this way, because you know the thing is the election was so close here. 10,000 votes or something, right? Order of magnitude, somewhere around 10,000 votes. It doesn't take a big thing to be determinative. Right. So, so yeah, part of that was a PSYOP. Explain. They worked very, very hard to convince the American people that, oh, it's going to be a close race. No, it wasn't. It was a blowout. Who who worked hard to make, who did the PSYOP? Um, 
primarily, well, you had a bunch of different players. You had the Democrat Party. You had um, the the media, basically, that is in the tank for the Democrat Party. It's the legacy media. I'm not, I'm not talking about the free people like yourself and you know the folks that are putting out good content. But there was a, uh, uh, it was kind of the get shorty. They're going to get Donald Trump at any cost. Yeah. They threw in everything from software that flips votes to hand adjudication to taking down all the screens and protections to refusing to follow all the, uh, the stuff in the elections procedure manual, all that stuff combined. Where were, the, all, the, where were all the conservative or Republican observers? Where, where was everybody who's supposed to keep it in check? A, a lot of them sat home. Because they left it up to somebody else. Well, I will tell you, as of today, that is not going to happen in this next election. You have got record numbers of people signing up to be precinct committeemen. You have got an explosion of interest in conservative households. People are planning to take the day off for Election Day. Because they're pissed off. There, this this next election is probably going to be maybe the wrong word to use is a revenge vote, but they believe that justice has been denied. No matter what Jack Sellers and Bill Gates and the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors come out and, and say, we don't believe you. Your credibility has been destroyed. You said you would be transparent and forthcoming. You weren't. And then you admitted to things that you denied in front of Andy Biggs in Congress. You admitted that you lied to the people of the state of Arizona. And now you want to assassinate my character for holding you accountability. Ho accountable. Really? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. But back to your question. The number one thing is a lack of chain of custody. We have 700,000 votes that lack a proper chain of custody. It was a free-for-all. So you get elected in November. Um, <clears throat> you got two years to try and square shit away before we have another main cycle election, right? 16 months. Right, right. Uh, do, do you have a plan? Yes, I do. Right. And I got a team that I've already put together that we're, we're waiting. Mark and Days. You know, I see this as a, I, I, I think there are two issues of our time. Um, I, I think the first issue of our time is education. And Republicans, we need to be known not as the party of business. I think anybody, anybody that's known as the party of business is going to get played. I think we need to be known as the party of education in America. Business will take care of itself. If we're not yeah. graduating a bunch of 18-year-old Marxists who turn into 23-year-old college graduate Marxists mm -hmm. who then go become CEOs of big companies who are Marxists. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. <clears throat> you know, Zuckerberg and these other guys. I'm like, you guys know you're, you guys are the heads of, you know, the head of Disney. You know you're the head of a major right. capitalist organization, one of the preeminent ones. And you're going to be a woke ideologist right. Marxist? We are now a plutocracy crazy the republic is dead so, so i, I we, think there's two battles it's election integrity and education i think if we, I, I think you're right if we take those two and they become our battle cry that's how we steal our country back it's not even <laughs> how we steal it it's how we rebuild the foundation of our country that's exactly right that's exactly right and i think that the republican party 
needs, to, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, needs to be the party of people. Because right now, the Democrat Party is the party of the elites. They could give a damn about the people. I totally they espouse totally that agree. they care. They espouse, oh, you need to wear a mask so that you can be safe. Hey, dumbest, did you bother to read the box right. that the mask comes in? Yeah. It says, this you have been prevent, engaged yeah. in an inappropriate tyranny. I guess those probably don't go together. You've been engaged in inappropriate advocacy for a thing that doesn't work. Trying to get people to, number one, comply with your demand. Oh, yeah. But number two, you've made a false claim that this is going to save them. Horse pucky. Yeah. That's Cra not true. And then you come out and say, well, you got to have the vaccine to, to keep from getting sick. Only to find out that, no, it doesn't help you keep from getting sick. It doesn't prevent the illness. So you lied again. What we have now is an infiltration, I think it's an insurgency, of every institution in America, from the courts mm -hmm. to the bar yeah. to law enforcement, and primarily at the federal level, but we're even seeing at the local level as well and at the state level. When you have a bar that goes after attorneys for representing individuals who need defense. Unbelievable. It's, it's, I'm sorry. I didn't Clarence Darrow make a a living doing that? I mean, come on already. Our legal system. If you really believe that, Marxist attorneys of America, if you really believe that, then why does the the woman holding the scale have a blindfold on? That's not justice. What you're engaged in, right. that's cancel culture, and it should be quite frankly eradicated from this nation. Yeah, I see it. You know, my most of my friends that are attorneys are super left, and I scratch my head in utter amazement. Uh, I'm like, first of all, how did you get all this information and arrive at such a bass backwards conclusion? And second of all, how does that not come through and and uh, affect your jurisprudence? Right. And it does. It's your that, agenda. That, the truth is, it actually yeah. does. So there's a case in point on that. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but there's a group of people that are running around the country suing to have individuals removed from the ballot. Yes. I'm one of those people yes. who is in court right now defending my right to be on the ballot. And they're so claiming... So you got all your signatures, you ended up on the ballot, legal, legal, fair yep. and square, yep. and they're suing you to... Now they're suing to have me removed from the ballot under the 14th Amendment that I engaged... This is their quotation, in by the way. In acts. I engaged in insurrection. Okay, so the, the legal piece of that, we had our uh, show cause hearing for dismissal yesterday. Judge has taken it under advisement. But the argument is this. <laughs> I haven't been charged. Haven't been convicted. There's this thing called due process. Right. And what they're trying to do is subvert due process. Right. They're trying to persecute you for a crime for which you've never been charged uh, or uh, adjudicated. In or... which they have no evidence of. Right. Okay. So without even building a crime, they're just, they yeah. want to, they want to uh, uh, revoke your right to exercise your right as a citizen to run for office based on their opinion without any adjudication. Whatsoever. They basically want to do what the Nazi party did in 1930s. They want to use the court system as a political hammer. Right. Now, and, frankly... And how's it working for them? 
Well, um, you got a really poor case that came out with Marjorie Taylor Greene, which she'll probably win on appeal. Um, for us, I think that we're in we're probably in pretty good shape. Um, it's just expensive. It is expensive. Well, and so that's part of the plan. They want to bleed us dry. Um, they are, and, and we plan to go right back at them. Are there, We're planning there, on asking for um, attorney's um, fees. Attorney fees. Isn't there but a frivolous more, lawsuit punishment here in Arizona? But more than that, we want to go after them for the time and materials that have been lost because of their bad faith lawsuit. They picked on the wrong damn guy this time. I am not going to sit down and shut up. I'm not going to roll over. I'm not going to lay still and let them do what they're doing to me. Because what they're trying to do is disenfranchise every single person who signed on to my petition to put me on the ballot. Right. They don't want Mark Fincham in the Secretary of State's office because I'm going to interfere with their game. Yeah, because there's a hustle going on. Of course there is. Yeah. That's why they're up to this. That's why they want to try and have Andy Biggs and Paul Gosar removed. They want to use the court system as a political hammer. And, and that should be absolutely rejected. How, and the, the attorneys that engage in that should be penalized by the courts. How does the court stop themselves from being used? Because they must know they're being used. Um, I think that part of that comes out in the we're rewarding uh, lawyer fees and all that. The other thing that we can do, and I would encourage, once this is done, I would encourage your listeners to file a bar complaint against the attorneys that are in uh, Fincham v. Hansen, or Hansen v. Fincham, I guess I'm the, the defendant. Find out who the attorneys are and file a bar complaint against these people. They knew this was bad faith in the first place. They're trying to come... They're just some, trying to jam you up. They're trying to jam you up. They're, they're trying to come up with this legal hustle that sidesteps the requirement, the basic requirement for due process. They want to rewrite jurisprudence so that if somebody makes an allegation, you're off. No, 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 no. I don't care if I have to spend the last dime in our campaign fund. This is not going to stand. Now, we already know that if we win the case in Maricopa County Superior Court, we already know that they're going to try to go to the Court of Appeals. They kind of tipped their hand in that. They wanted to have, get this, they wanted to have an evidentiary hearing outside of a trial. They wanted to have discovery without even having the approval to proceed with the trial. Right. The first step they need to do is go to a district attorney, get a district attorney to decide to yeah. either have a grand jury or charge somebody. There is no private right of action for an, uh, a 14th Amendment violation. That is exclusively the Purdue territory the of Congress. Not even states. Right. So they did a sloppy job on their um, legal research. It's it's a bad faith case. And I'm looking forward to how we exact a penalty against these people for doing it. Because they're doing it in Pennsylvania. They're doing it in Wisconsin. Doing it in Michigan. Anybody who is who has spoken against the election, who has said, look, there's a problem here. Now, the J6 unselect committee which I'm supposed to do an interview with tomorrow. The, the number one thing that people have to remember is I was elected to do what? Ask questions. Gather information. Right. In order to form public policy. And when there is something wrong, I'm empowered. In fact, my duty. And you're, you're obliged. 
my duty yeah. to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of Arizona against all enemies, foreign and domestic, I take that absolute. That is the most serious thing that I have ever done in the public sphere. And that's threatening to them because it's not allegiance they're to them. They're scared to death of that. Yeah. Because it's not allegiance to a person. Right. Now, they're going to try and say, oh, it's, this is all Donald Trump. No, it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It has everything to do with an election that was subverted. You know, we down here in Arizona, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you had friends around the country that called you up and said, what the hell is going on? We, you know, What the hell happened with Arizona? We down here, I mean, we saw 100-mile-long spontaneous car car gatherings and joe biden couldn't get six people in circles on a lawn i mean he couldn't get 100 people to show up for anything he couldn't get 50 couldn't get 10 and so usually there's six of those circles you know we down here you know my friends who are left they're you know they ha 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 look what happened and then they like to say well a lot of you guys don't want to admit it but you're embarrassed by him he's so awful and i'm sitting here going no, we're not. Every damn sign on my street's got a, a Trump thing sticking in the front yard. I haven't seen a Joe Biden. Uh, you know, I've seen eight Joe Biden stickers in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, something, we, you know, something's rotten in Denmark and we all smell it. And the thing is, let's say you're a regular citizen. Like, I've never. Imagine you get a call in your favor at the end of a game, end of the football game. You get a call that goes in your favor and the guy catches a does something that makes the game makes a call that the game goes in your favor and you didn't actually win it because you knew it was a bad call and there's no replay you, you can't gloat about it you got to be you know you, you you shouldn't gloat when you win and you damn sure shouldn't gloat when you know you didn't win mm-hmm. no I, I agree and and so you know, one of the things that's been most telling to me, it's not been the Cyber Ninjas report, it's not been Sonny Borelli coming in, it's not listening to you. The most compelling thing to me are all the soft indicators, where I see the Secretary of State wanting to quell all investigation. She wants to quell all questioning, and they say it's the most secure election ever. This is the most popular Democrat ever elected, and I'm going, okay, that doesn't survive a sniff test. That's called cognitive dissonance. Right. It's disconnected from the real experience. Yeah. And and so we we don't know none of the uh, who, the board of supervisors is that who it is here in Maricopa County. Yeah. None of them want to make sure it was a good election. They all just insist it was. Nobody yeah. wants to make sure. Like, and they try and sell this crap about. <laughs> well, we did an audit. No, you didn't. You can't have the person who you bought the equipment from come in and audit their own equipment. Right. You can't have... It didn't work out. (laughs) Oh, it worked as designed. Everything's fine. Really? Yeah. And so we've arrived at this place. I don't know if you're familiar with Thomas Sewell. He's this... Love Tom. So he basically talks about modern intellectualism uncoupled from experiential reality becomes Mm -hmm. madness. And so what we have is we have a ruling class that doesn't matter what the outcomes are, the accountability. Their theories on governing and running the country are disconnected from results. Right. So results don't matter anymore. So the, <clears throat> the board of selectmen or county selectmen or whatever, what do, what do you call them here? County, the, county supervisors. The county, yeah, the county supervisors. They really don't supervise much apparently. Right. They're in charge of it and they don't even want to actually know. Because they don't want to be in trouble for it having mm-hmm. to, like if someone called me out, I'd be like, "Hey, let's get into it." I'm I'm pretty damn sure it was good. I drove around 
the entire election two days before i've drove around this i've been supervising this go ahead let's i want a mic drop we won or it went the way it did go ahead count yeah see i i take a little bit different attitude towards it no election is ever going to be perfect right. and anybody who makes that claim immediately disqualifies themselves that's the that's the process engineer in me right because that's madness you can't say no that. matter what you try to do in order to prevent cheating you're always going to have somebody trying to cheat. Right. They just find different ways to do it right, because right. they want to alter the outcome. Right. Now, the job of the Secretary of State is to make sure that nobody has their thumb on the scale of election justice. Hard stop. That is the major role of the Secretary of State. Right. Okay? To facilitate a fair contest. And if a Democrat wins, fine. If a Republican wins, fine. If a libertarian, fine. If we are able to pull out the influence that those who have a broken moral compass have over this system, we take one step closer to what I think was intended by the people in the first place, and that is to have a true and accurate representation of their consent to be governed by whom. You know what's funny is, I have uh, I've talked to people because I mean listen what the day Trump announced I I was like that's that's the guy and I didn't think he was going to be awesome I just thought he was going to be a pain in everybody's ass which he was by the way uh, he was more I mean I I had <laughs> I I'm giddy and I miss him so much I I I I just thought he was going to do do right by the courts I thought he was going to be a little more pro business I didn't we had never seen in our lifetimes an executive a, a commander come in. And just, oh, let's get rid of this military problem, this problem in, in, in the Middle East. Talk to his commander, say, okay, go make it so. I'll leave you alone. Problem gone. Yeah. And the guy said, hey. We're gonna, we need to fix the VA. What do you need? Okay? Do it. Make it happen. Um, oh, we need to up energy production because if we don't, this is going to happen. And then we have to do business with all these petrochemical terrorist states. Boom. Hey, make that happen. Shut that off. Expedite this. And the country turned on like these people are so myopic and stuck in their ideologue position. They don't even understand the guy just did a mastercraft lesson and how to turn the United States. Mm -hmm. what, it, Bill Clinton said this famous phrase. It's the economy, stupid. It's the economy, stupid. Yep. You'd think they'd all know that by now. Well, but the they're, objective is to shut down the economy. That's right. That's why you're Marxists. seeing what you're seeing, seeing right now. Right. It is the debasement of the U.S. dollar. It is the shutting down of the economy. They thought they would be able to do it with COVID-19, and the American people are so resilient, they basically said, F you, we'll find another way. Took a little while, but yeah. Took a little while, yeah. but that's what they did. Yeah. Now, perhaps the greatest thing that President Trump did for the American people is not the economy that he turned on. Turned them on. He pulled the curtain back. <laughs> And showed the rot and the corruption yeah. in government. Yeah, for sure. He lit people up. Now imagine, just take for a moment and imagine how much more successful would America have been had he not had the headwind of false accusations about Russia, Russia, Russia. There's Everything. people going to go to prison for that. Maybe someday. Well, I think John Durham is on to something, and think uh, John Durham probably is in line for the next uh, U.S. attorney or uh, attorney general. I, we knew. somebody who's got a pair of stones and is willing to do something. We knew this happened. We watched this happen, and they they've taken years, and they still haven't done anything. Yeah.
because the American people don't buy BS. They There comes a point where they're like, mm, yeah, I'm sorry. You've gone a bridge too far. We do have that situation where the, the frog is now boiling. And the people are like, oh, no, we've this water's gotten a little too hot for us. Right. Even the people moving here from California. I, I get a nasty email from some guy who just bought a house in Phoenix. You need to tone down your rhetoric a little bit oh because God. because where I'm where I I just moved here and bought a house and I, I just I, I I can't believe that you're doing this and I wrote him back and I said perhaps you should consider reversing your purchase if you don't like the politics here then why did you move here well because I'm able to sell my Brazilian dollar house in California and up the price here to $600,000 for a $300,000 house and I got yeah. what I want. Yeah. Oh by the way I'm going to have a much more favorable tax program until of course they elect people who turn around and tax us into oblivion. Top right. works. Right. Okay? Right. So Californians bring California with them unfortunately. Yeah, but I think where we're at right now we are getting more conservatives who are coming to the Arizona lifeboat. Which distresses me a little bit. It distresses me too. Because it's consolidating the Marxist position in the failed states. Now, if it fails enough, these people are going to have a psychotic break and understand they looked in the mirror and they are the enemy. They are the people who destroyed their own home. When you see along Santa Monica Boulevard, oh. tents after tents and after tents, and the elites say, this is the way to live. Really? Behind your gate with your $10,000 worth of ice cream, huh, Nancy? Yeah. You you have been committing treason against the American people for decades. You and your husband who have been doing insider training and insider deals. Oh, yeah. yeah that it, kind of crap has got to come to an end. So so who? tell me who's in the race with you right now that you're running against. Uh, you're in the primary, obviously. Well, there's Who, a primary, but I'm focused on Adrian Fontes and, and Reginald Bolding. Those, I mean, are, those the, are the two Democrats that they put up. That you're going to run against in that the I'll general? I'll run against one of the two of them in the general. Okay. Um, you know, there's there's three other people that um, one of them has been able to raise some money. The other two haven't. Um, they're low in the polls. I'm up at 13% of if, if people were to vote today. And this is this is an OH predictive poll, which I'm always suspect of. I don't, I don't agree with their methodology. They're kind of a barometer, an early barometer. But when you tell me that 70% of people are undecided, really? Everywhere I go in Arizona, I don't care where it is. I'll walk into a store, fries in some city because I need to get some gum or an apple. Someone in that store will walk up to me and say, you're Mark Fincham, aren't you? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I want to thank you for what you're doing. I'll this let's see next weekend I'm flying to Little Rock, Arkansas to do a little politicking for one of um, the guys that we think Mr. Trump is going to endorse. Every single time I walk into an airport, doesn't it could be Phoenix, it could be Charlotte, Jacksonville, uh, Atlanta, somebody will walk up to me and say thank you for what you're doing. I know who you are. I mean, I went to uh, San Antonio um, for a border security event. Border security, it's where vendors go and do their thing. Yep. Go to register uh, at the, the desk for registration. I said, do you need my ID? And the guy looks at me and says, you don't need any ID, brother. 
Thank cool. you for what you're doing. Cool. I just need to know, is it U-M or E-M? <laughs> the end of your name. So, you know, when we talk about elections, quite frankly, 70% of elections are name recognition. Sure. Because people don't take the time to research their candidates. Now, if people want to go to votefincham.com, that's V-O-T-E, F like Frank, I-N like Nancy, C-H-E-M like Mark.com, they can click on news and they will see almost, I might miss one or two, Almost every news hit, interview, whatever I've done, whether it's on Bannon's War Room or Stu Peters or even your, this what we do here. If there's a link to it, it's on my news feed. They'll be able to watch and see that I have been consistent about one thing. Elections belong to the people, not the government. Elections are a process that is people dependent. And my job is to make it easy to vote, hard to cheat. Three things. Now, the other people that are in the race, they disagree with the idea that the legislature has the authority but refuses to exercise it to set an election aside. Okay, you're entitled to your belief. But I would advocate that that's dereliction of duty. Is it, is it uh, at this point, is it worth the effort to do that Herculean thing? It's always worth the effort, man. This is a hill I'm, re I'm ready to die on this hill. Okay. And I mean that literally, not just figuratively. Okay. I am throwing 100% of my life into this. We have got a republic to try and resuscitate. Yeah. I'm I'm concerned about it. Not just cuz I was going to say earlier when you were talking there's a <coughs> I don't Listen, I didn't want any democrat that's ever been elected I didn't really want them to get elected, but I was never worked up about it. I was never worked up about Obama getting elected. I wasn't worked up about. I wasn't worked up about because I was like, "Hey, that's the way the that's the way the election goes. It's a democracy. I got to deal with my countrymen. They're wrongheaded. I disagree with them, but that's commander in chief. What's next?" I've never felt the way I felt in 2020 when that went down. Where I went, oh, and you know, people say, "Oh, you're sort of loser, you're sort of this." There's not millions of us who are crazy partisans. I I feel like it didn't go down the way it was supposed to. I I, I feel like it was not reported and, and counted the way it actually happened, so, not the way it was supposed to. I shouldn't say that. I think it happened one way and was counted and reported another. And I, who was the Russian who said it's not how, who votes, it's who counts? Stalin. And and you so you hear this going on, mm -hmm. and the election not being called for days. There's shenanigans going on at every level, at every level. And I distrust the government at every level, municipally as well. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to get my power increased in my building so I could hire another 30 people for 18 months. And every time they come, they want more from me. They want another license. They want another engineer report. And I'm like, who's blocking me from getting electricity? Well, no one's doing it. It's just built into the system. Mm -hmm. My inspector just is annoyed and wants to just show how smart he is. And it's never ending. And I could have had my power 15 months ago. Right. And it's going on. That's, that's a consequence of um, people not running for. So there's a great book that I would urge you to read. It's called Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates. It's how to overcome tyranny that's been built into a system. I am advocating all across the land, and in fact, that's one of the reasons that I've done, been on a plane so much, is going into communities and encouraging people, 
you need to run for school board. Somebody in this audience, I was in San Diego with the Clay Clerk uh, tour, 3,500 people, standing ovation before I even walked out on the stage. So apparently they knew who I was. I said, look, among you, 3,500 of you, surely there's three people who will run for school board and all of the rest of you need to come alongside of them and vote financially, for vote for them, yeah. put up yard signs, be their volunteers. Are there three people that will do that? And of course, there was a dozen that stood up. If we don't take the school board positions, if we don't have people run for municipal offices that are conservative fiscally, who hold people accountable, who hire a city manager, who will tell inspectors, this is a business program. If you can't get with the program, leave. It's time for you to retire. You are right. The bureaucracy is built to throw its weight around. Right. And elected officials, now here's a great example. City of Phoenix was talking about having a citizens review committee for police interactions. Oh boy. Okay, time out. <laughs> That's what you were elected to do. Right. Why are you going to create an unelected, unaccountable committee filled with people, first of all, I hate cops, but second of all, you're divorcing yourself from reality. It's your job. That's what you were elected to do. Don't hand it off to somebody else. Right. So we have, I'm, I'm going to call it an, an epidemic of cowardice. Yeah. Um, to do the, the hard things, to do the right things. That's why I'm ready to die on this hill. I am not going to let this thing happen to this nation. My one small little part that I can participate in, I'll be damned if I'm going to let them steal my country. And yeah. they're in the process of the theft oh, right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. They're in possession of it. They're halfway out of the vault. Do um, you have any kids? Kids are all grown and gone. Kids are grown and gone. All right. Well, you know, I think a lot of times these fights we have, we're thinking about what our kids have to deal with. I'm thinking about my grandkids. I'm yeah. thinking about other people's grandkids. Yeah. I'm thinking about, you know, the, the young couples that have just gotten married. Mm. I'm thinking about the... How do they afford a house in this town anymore? Uh, how do they afford... Yeah. I mean, we're going to How do they see, afford gasoline right this now? This is what's coming, brother. Oh. This is what's coming in the next six to seven months. We are going to see a return to the bubble of 2007. You are going to see a massive wave of foreclosures and short sales. It's going to explode because you have now sucked the life out of the personal economy by tripling the cost of gas. Right. You got guys, in fact, I watched it the other day. Guy's got a crew in his pickup truck. He put 10 bucks of gas in his truck. That's all he had money for. He had enough money to get his truck and his crew over to a job, get paid, pay them enough money to put more gas in his car tomorrow and do the same damn thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the elites, they don't care. Right. They're going to hop on a jet and go over to Davos and, and you know, he, move the pieces around on the board again. And as much as I like, uh, as much as I like Tesla, as much as I like Elon Musk, you can't throw a crew of guys in the back of a, Tesla. Yeah. You can't bring bags of concrete to a yeah. Tesla with a Tesla. You I, can't bring roof tiles. You know, you can't you can't right. build a house with Teslas. Speaking of 
old Elon. I'm kind of liking what he's uh, oh, what he's up to. I've been sitting back. Talk about going, pulling the pin on a grenade and tossing that in the middle of the room. What, what a baller. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen with Twitter? Um, I think that eventually the uh, Elon Musk is going to turn that group around. And there are going to be uh, the, the individuals who have attempted to shut people up. They're going to be gone. Uh, he is going to turn it the, the ship around and make it profitable again. And I think that he is going to do everything in his power. I, this is what I'm sensing to live by Section 230, that we're not a publisher, we're a platform. And as long as you're not threatening somebody's life or engaged in any of the actual illegal, you know, soliciting. Yeah, if you're not committing a crime. If you're not committing a crime, soliciting somebody to commit a crime. Your ideas are welcome. Your ideas are welcome. Yeah. And suffer the consequences if you say something that other people are, offends other people. Okay. They're words. They're words and they're ideas. Right. And the last time I checked, there's a, there's a reason that copyright is noted in the U.S. Constitution. Ideas. They protect ideas. Yeah. You know, godless leftists <clears throat> uh, believe in uh, Darwinism. And, and, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, I, don't, I can't get into that argument too much, but they have a faith-based view of uh, Darwin's view of the universe, okay? And, uh, and then they believe in their faith-based view of the competition of species in in their life they don't believe in any competition of ideas it's very schizophrenic it's schizophrenic yeah. because if you believe in the competition of species and the species competing for place <laughs> within the ecosystem whether you agree with that view or not that that is a it's a very capitalist view mm -hmm. of the world and how humans and animals right. and the kingdom is structured <clears throat> And, and to believe that and not believe in the competing marketplace of ideas, it's it's crazy. Yeah. So they believe in Darwinism, <laughs> yet they spend billions of gallons of water down a river to save a fish. Right. Okay. Not that I want to see the fish die. <laughs> right, right. That's not the point. The point is we have limited resources. When are we going to start focusing on highest and best use of those resources? Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, we, we here in Arizona, we're, for the most part, have a fetish about water. As well we should. Whiskey's for drinking. Bourbon for drinking. Water's for fighting. We got fights going on all over the state about water. Right. Irresponsible use of it. And, you know, whether or not we're going to overbuild, what are the technologies we can use to recover from that? Right. You know, everything's on the table. Um, an aqueduct from one place that's got water to another. Okay. Desalinization out of the Sea of Cortez. Okay. How do we take the pressure off of the limited resource we have and develop new resources? Right. And I think that those are the kinds of things that um, state executives <clears throat> are going to need to be more... Um, more inquisitive of. Yeah. How do we solve these big problems? Right. And how do we put those big solutions into motion? Because they're not things that get solved overnight. These are things that, you know, if you're able to do a desal plant, get that up and running in two and a half, three years, 
you're going to be lucky if you're actually seeing results four or five years out. And that's if you don't have the inspector who you're having to deal with. Jamming you up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it's been a pleasure meeting you. Um, I I think that it's been uh, it's been a joy that I've experienced now the last couple of years getting to meet folks that are kind of stepping into the ruling class, uh, the ruling cadre of people in this country. It's been a pleasure sitting down and talking with them and seeing either their early candidacy and how they mm -hmm. evolve as a candidate or how the collection of their life experiences kind of cue them up to be the right place, right time, right person. Yeah. Um, and I look forward to kind of seeing how this goes down for you. Uh, are, are, if, are you running unopposed as a Republican? Uh, no, we do have a, a primary. There's three people running against me. Who are those three? Um, so you got Shauna Bullock, Michelle Ugenti, and a guy by the name of Bo Lane. And, and you're pulling ahead of everybody I'm so far? I'm ahead of everybody by four, well, at least four points, five points. Okay. Well, and, there's there's a little ways to go, but we're getting down to it. Um, you have the primary in, what is it, four months or something? Uh, August 3rd. Okay. So, you know, the the nasty mudslinging will probably start next week. Um, and, you know, look, they're terrified of me. What are they going to sling about you? What are they going to tell who knows? You like aliens? Who knows? You have gay lovers in the closet. He, what what, what, what no. do you got back there? He was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. He Were you, were you in Washington on January yeah. 6th? Yeah. You... I went there on the 5th, came back on the 7th. I was there to deliver an evidence package to Paul Gosar and Andy Biggs so that they were equipped in the well of the Senate when they had to argue for Arizona. It's my job. Now, I went there on my own dime because our Speaker of the House would not support it. Okay, fine. I'm a citizen. I'm a patriot. Yeah, you're free, free to go if you I'm, want. Yeah. I have free agency. And I'm a legislator who has a rather unique, I think, view of what my duty is. And I refuse to be derelict in it. Right. And I won't shut up. I won't shut up. I, I won't <laughs> sit down. I won't, won't shut up. So I think that, uh, you know, here's how bad it is for these guys. Moveon.org. <laughs> Opened a Get Fincham pack and put $1.4 million into it so far. Interesting that they haven't opened a pack against any of the others. Hmm. That's kind of fun. That's kind of fun. Yeah, I guess you're parking in their brain a little bit. A little bit. Well, absolute pleasure meeting you. Thanks for coming in and spending the time. Uh, it's been a pleasure for me. Thank you for just having a conversation. For sure. Well, sports fans, that's the deal. Um, once you're too middle-aged and too fat and your right knee is no good for kicking down doors and shooting bad guys, guess what you get to do? You get to pick up the citizen musket and you get to run a podcast and hopefully speak truth. Now, I may not get a chance to speak truth to power, but we get to pull back the layers of the onion. You guys get to come along for the ride. In this conversation, Secretary of State Arizona, Lieutenant Governor of your state, these people are having these battles everywhere. My My... Parting shot across the bow for all of you is don't be so disconnected. Don't just sit back on YouTube or iTunes or Spotify or Rumble and watch this. Jump in and get a little involved. A little involved goes a long way. If you actually show up to the midterms and you've actually done a tiny bit of homework about who's running for secretary of state in your state or lieutenant governor in your state, these state positions are gigantic. Think about the last couple of years with Ron DeSantis, mm -hmm. Greg Abbott. 
uh, Christine Noam. That's where change happens, is at, at the state level. These executive positions out there, they have a tendency to have a bigger voice than the President of the United States, uh, especially when they're in the sticking their hand up, saying no mode that you see going on with governors. So uh, get involved in your state politics because they really do have major executive sway across the nation. And every, every governor, every lieutenant governor, every secretary of state who's emboldened by your support, it gives a little room to some other governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state for them to do the right thing and make the right decision. Because we are in a nation not being led by courageous people. We're being led by cowards. And we got to give them a little room to do the right thing. So go vote, do your thing, um, support Mark Fincham. If you live in California and you know you're basically in a, in a toilet bowl swirling and you can't do anything to stop it and you want to actually make a difference in your country, send some money off to places like Arizona where there is real stuff in play. There are real positions up for grab and there's a real battle going on between the right and the left because the battle's been lost in California and I'd love to see California get its shit together and become a real state again. But as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's a, it, this is watching the Titanic slowly sink the greatest place on earth maybe, the most beautiful state with the most resources and so much talent. It's going to rot and we're going to watch it happen in real time and the, the game is so rigged there. You can't even fix it. Take some of your California money. Don't move to Arizona. Please don't come visit us. Send a little money over here for a conservative to kick the shit out of a liberal. And uh, at least you can watch a fight happen across your border and uh, see some victory. Mom, how do they donate money to you again one more time, Mark? So it's votefincham.com, and you click on the donate button. V-O-T-E, F like Frank, I-N like Nancy, C-H-E-M like Mark, dot com. Click on donate. And if if they want to text me for more directions on now, other ways vote, they can help. Is it votefincham.com or votefinchammark.com? No, no. It's votefincham.com. Both times you said your email address, you threw Mark in at the very end. Oh, yeah, and Did it, I? it got confusing. Oh, sorry about so, that. So it's votefincham.com. And, and the way he spells oh, Fincham is like, get him, Fincham. Not <laughs> U-M. So yeah. I'm going to turn your name e into a verb. E-M. We're going to Fincham. Yeah. It's like lynch him, but finch him, but not lynch him. No, 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 but it's like, get him. Yeah. So it's vote finch him and it ends with an M like Mark. That's. Yeah, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But it's vote finch com. Vote finch com. And they can click on the uh, donate tab. Also, if you want to text me, I put my, my phone number out there. Oh my five, God. I do the same thing. 520-808-7340. Now don't call me because I don't answer numbers that I don't recognize. But if you want to call me and you want to know other ways that you can support me, for example, we're going to be... Um, Would you rather them text you or call you? Text me. Okay, don't, text you. Don't call me because yeah, I'm not going to answer. Call. You said call just a second oh. ago. So you want them to text you at text your number. Me. Don't call. How can I help you? Uh, and just say, how can I help you? Now, we're about to put something out where if people want to buy some yard signs, we will have them printed and shipped directly to their home. This awesome. is a statewide auction, man. No. I can't drive all over the state delivering five signs to a house. No, that's awesome. Listen, okay. I want to text you right now. Okay. So hold on a sec. Let's do this in real time, okay? Because it's kind of fun. Okay. I got like a shit in right here. So uh, 520-808-7340. And I say, hey, Mark, how can I help? Here we go. 808 7340, area code 520. 
you just did period fantastic so you guys can jump in you know i'll tell you something never in all american history have you been able unless you were happen to be the next door neighbor of a governor or lieutenant governor or secretary of state have you been able to reach out and connect and and get your opinion heard by uh the people with a hand on the helm like you have now it's pretty baller of you to come out and throw your i I do it people think i'm absolutely nuts um, I think it's pretty awesome that you've put your cell phone out there. Um, thanks for uh, coming on the show. All right, sports fans, go out, make it happen, get involved, vote. Go get kicked out of the school board meeting by creating a ruckus. And you know what? Those folks sitting up on the panel, those lefties, those liberals, those Marxists, they're a bunch of pansies. So scare the shit out of them so they, got, they know someone's paying attention and watching. That's the Greg Medford Show. I'm out.